This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D I E T Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. Hey, listeners, host Matthew here, and this episode is brought to you by Kahlua, and we have a live show coming up in just two days. Two days from now, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, that is this weekend, Saturday, October 13th at 3 p.m., and it's in Seattle at the Kahlua Cold Brew Cafe pop-up in Pioneer Square. So come hang out, see the show, and try some Kahlua Cold Brew cocktails. It's uh, obviously 21 and over. Tickets are going to be 5 bucks, and you can get them right now by going to RethinkColdBrewCafe.com. That's RethinkColdBrewCafe.com. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your website, whether you're like selling stuff or showing off your photography, whatever. Just being you. Yeah. Right? And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 customer support is there to unstick you. When you are ready to get started, go to squarespace.com slash spilled for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SPILLED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. This episode is brought to you by Just Crack an Egg. Has your relationship with breakfast felt a little strained lately? Yeah, I mean, it's just too much work for a weekday. It, yeah, Matthew. Well, then it's time to head over to the egg aisle and pick up Just Crack an Egg. What is that? Uh, It's a hot, fluffy scramble that's ready in less than two minutes. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to add a fresh egg over the chopped veggies, shredded cheese, hearty meat, and potatoes, and then stir it, microwave it, and reignite my love of breakfast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today we are talking about leeks, which are probably all over your your local markets now, here it being October 11th when this show airs. And they may also be all over your coat of arms, which we're going to talk about in a minute, (laughs) apparently. All over your national emblem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what's okay, we'll talk okay, about what's we'll get what's, there. Yeah. We'll get there. Okay, so leeks. We we did uh we did scallions recently, yeah. right? Yeah, and it made us think about well we came away feeling very pro scallion, as mm-hmm. I recall. And and it also made us think about leeks, which are kind of shaped like scallions but bigger, but you use them in different ways and they're all yeah, part of the same family. They're more of like and, a like a two handed broadsword versus like a uh <laughs> a foil. I, this is all I know about swords. Sorry. Or an 
epee? An epee, yeah. Yes, so okay. scallion is like an epee. It's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of floppy. It's, it's you know, there's the floppy is swords. Is this going to be like a show where we then go on location and we learn how to, how to fence or something? This episode? Are we going to? Yeah. Gonna, yes. Like it's talking about an epee. Uh, yeah, I mean, for all people know, that is what we're going to do. This is an audio show, and which means it's mostly lies. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, uh, Matthew, video a- everything on video is is a hundred percent true. Um, but on audio, nope. nope, it's lies. Yeah. All right, Matthew, please tell me about your memory lane of scallions leaks. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I think I knew leeks existed when I was a kid, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember ever eating them. This is one of those things that I yeah. think I first had in my twenties. Like, I feel like this is like a grown up food that that children are, are at least in our childhoods were sheltered from. Yeah. I mean <laughs> This my... was something that happened in the kitchen, but uh, you didn't talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, like things that happened in the kitchen with broadswords, floppy swords, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, my daughter did want me to mention that she loves leeks, but like that doesn't prove anything because she's my kid. So, yeah, um, I think that I, I knew of this thing called potato leek soup. Yes, I did, too. But I don't remember ever eating it as a kid. And I, I've always kind of felt suspicious of potato soups. It seems just like weird and too thick, like like broccoli cheddar soup. Like I'm these so glad soups. you said that. Um, I broccoli cheddar soup sounds real tasty to me. The potato soups, I tend to feel the same way unless, I mean, it can be done with sort of like a French finesse that uh, where it's simultaneously creamy yes. and light. Yes. But like when you just say potato soup, it sounds stodgy. It does. It does. I remember also, uh, so, well, well, just to bring the show down. Oh, when my father was dying, uh huh. It's one of our my favorite segments on the show. <laughs> Molly brings it down. Um, when my father was ill, a lot of my parents' friends and things like that were bringing food over, and I remember one of them brought over like a big Tupperware of potato leek soup, mm-hmm. and it was it was good. Um, but there was a lot of it, and I think that there weren't like a lot of us in the house at the time. There were like waves of family members coming, and so I remember we put it in the freezer. You should never freeze potato soup. It gets oh. like really weird and like the liquid separates. Isn't that funny how there are some also, things? Also, there was like dairy in it, of course, and that behaved strangely when it was thawed out. It was real weird. Yeah, if I knew more about chemistry, I would be able to explain why some things get real weird when you freeze them. Yeah. I think we should just... Well, I lost my train. <laughs> okay. We should we should do it an episode where we put a bunch of things in the freezer one week and then take them out the next week and see what happened. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds very like- exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, it's frozen. Yeah. Cool. No, um It got like hard and cold. I think the, the first- serving temperature, hard and cold. <laughs> Is that ice cream cones? Ice cream cones, yeah. Yeah. Um no, that was dry and hard. Dry wait, no, no dry and cold. Cold and dry. Cold yes. And dry. Serving temperature dry. Anyway, I think that the first time I really remember eating leeks, especially in a situation like where where it was all about the leeks, was when I was living with a host family in France. Mm -hmm. And they served, um, I think my host mother had steamed leeks. I'm trying to remember whether she boiled them or steamed them. But anyway, she had steamed them and then served them with vinaigrette. Sounds good. Yeah. And we had this. So, you know, she would frequently um, serve like something like 
half a grapefruit as like a the beginning of our meal at dinner. Oh, that sounds awesome. Like half a grapefruit or some like beet salad with vinaigrette or grated carrots with vinaigrette or leeks vinaigrette. And then we would move on to like the main course. Something with a with a crisp hit of acidity. Yes. Yeah. And then we'd do the main course, then a green salad and then cheese and then oh. dessert. This was every night. That's, I mean, that's exactly what I imagine France to be and, like. But I have to imagine this is dying out <clears throat> now. I mean, I mean, fast food is almost as prevalent there and like convenience foods. I mean, cer- certainly we've talked about Picard, les surgelés. Yes, we the certainly have. The entire store of, of high-end frozen foods. Like, uh, France is, that is right probably on our heels in terms like, of interest in convenience foods. Do you think that's the most sexy phrase in any language on <laughs> Earth? Yes. I think it is. Do you like, want me to say it again? Yeah, please. <laughs> Picard, les surgelés. <laughs> I have to whisper and, it, though. And all it means is, is Picard, the frozen food, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it sounds like there's surgery involved, which shouldn't be sexy, and yet, and and yet, I mean, well, surgeons very confident people, right? Surgeons yeah. are well, they're also known maybe overconfident, overconfident sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, while we're just trafficking in stereotypes, please let's oh, yeah. continue on with the show. How I don't about- know. I believe, like you know, maybe this is a tradition that's dying out, but I I think like you know. The, the French, like, they, clinging to tradition is what they do. Yes. Right? Yes. And I have to believe, like, in the same way that, like, I've, uh, you know, spent time staying with a family in Japan and just had, like, night after night amazing Japanese home cooking, mm-hmm. that uh, that this lives on, at least in some homes to, in I, France. I have to believe it does. And if nothing else, even if they, like, go to the fucking McDonald's drive through and go back with their Royales with cheese or whatever, but then, like, serve, like, a, a nice ripe camembert after that, yeah. like a green salad and, and a cheese plate after that. I could see this happening. That's good enough for me. I could me. see this happening. I mean, frankly, even the really cheap cheeses, like at the chain grocery store, like Monoprix or whatever, like the the one euro log of goat cheese is delicious. <laughs> so I believe one euro log. I believe that even if everything you know goes to hell and and France is nothing but a vast sea of surgelé um, <laughs> during the next it's ice age, still going to be delicious. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that that is actually you just hit on like one of my least favorite things about uh, staying in Japan is that the cheese is terrible. Yeah, that's a big bummer. Yeah. That's a big bummer. Pretty much everything else is incredibly delicious, so it's okay. Okay, but anyway, I remember, so I I became quite enamored with Leek's Vinaigrette, and for a while afterward, in what I I fondly think of as my real Francophile phase... Real Franco. In, in like my early 20s, I, I cooked a lot of leeks at home, a lot of like steamed leeks vinaigrette. So what kind of vinaigrette do you put on that? So I have for about the past 15 years been making the same vinaigrette all the time. Did it, I know this about you? You don't know this about me? I Maybe I do. It's um, So it's a red wine vinaigrette mm-hmm. and it just has four ingredients. One tablespoon of like a really good strong Dijon mustard. Mm-hmm. I don't really like Grey Poupon for this. Um, it's too whiny. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, anyway, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, three tablespoons red wine vinegar. Sometimes I use white wine 
vinegar. And then like six to seven tablespoons of olive oil. You have to kind of do it by taste. And a half teaspoon of kosher salt. That sounds perfect. And this is what I do every time. In my first book, I wrote about this vinaigrette recipe, but I called for starting with... Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to read that. Yeah, I I called for starting with five tablespoons of olive oil and adding up from there because vinaigrettes really do differ in like strength. Uh, but now I would say I use six to seven of olive oil most of what, the time. How do you choose a, this is like not a setup for a joke. This is just a serious food question. How do you choose a red wine vinegar? Because mm, I feel I, like most of them are just kind of okay. Well, I try to choose ones that actually have red wine as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good place to start. And I try, I I generally don't buy like the cheapest one at the grocery store because right. that's usually like just like sort of Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, I sort of I also don't buy the most expensive. I sort of go somewhere down the middle oh, of the geez, road. I don't buy the that, most expensive anything that looks like it's real. OK. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I do know what you mean. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Vinegar mouth. Yeah. Anyway, but so that is my vinaigrette for everything. I keep it on my kitchen counter in a little mason jar and just all the time. All the time. I this I did not you know. You did about not know you. this. I didn't about know me? that you about your little kitchen friend. My little kitchen do you friend have, it's always there. Do you have any other concoctions in mason jars in your laboratory? Uh no. Okay. No, just my just vinaigrette. vinaigrette. Wow, yeah. it's that important. And every now and then, Ash will put it in the fridge. I, I think like it probably seems weird that I would leave this slurry of stuff out on the counter for literally weeks at mm-hmm. a time. But I think it would be pretty darn hard for anything to grow in there. There's a lot of acidity. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So anyway, I'm not too worried about Have it. Have you ever tried to smuggle it into a restaurant where you thought the vinaigrette <laughs> was subpar? <laughs> like people with their little like like lip balm containers filled with uh, Malden salt. Sell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. It has not come to that. <laughs> I, and I dare feel like you. If ever there were a time when I would have considered such a thing or thought it was important, I feel like that time might have passed, and I feel grateful for that. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, like one of one of my favorite things that ever happened on Seinfeld, a show that is very problematic to go back to, um, is uh, when the waiter at the diner said, "We don't allow any uh, outside syrups or condiments." Um, <laughs> and then I was watching uh, Parks and Rec rerun last night, and the same thing happened. Really, um, Rob Lowe tried to bring some condiment into the into the steakhouse. And they said, you need to stop doing that. Oh, wow. This, like, for some reason, I find this so funny. And the only place that I do this is, as you know, I sometimes take maple syrup when I'm going yes, out to have pancakes. Have talk- <laughs> I'm such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But so, I buy my maple syrup at Costco. So what does oh, it all I, say about I buy me? mine at Trader Joe's, like the tall I glass say, bottle. Trader Joe's is way better, but... But the Costco jug I have just it never gets empty. Oh yeah, no, no. The Trader Joe's is relatively expensive as far as Trader it is. Joe's it's things go. It's the sixteen ninety nine one with like the putty colored plastic and the red lid. Um, from the co- from the Costco. No, from oh, the from, Trader Joe's. Oh, the Trader Joe's I get is the one in the tall glass bottle, but it's it's about the same unit price. I think. Oh, okay. I think about unit prices so often. <laughs> you do. Like, do you do you look at unit prices when you look at? Uh, do you mean like per price ounce? Tags? Yeah, I look at them. All the time. I look at them frequently, yeah, but probably not as much as you do. Every time I buy anything, pretty much. I'm trying to think of when was the last time I looked at a unit price. I think I bought a jar of peanut butter the other day, and like I couldn't tell like one size was on sale and one wasn't. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a really cool conversation. Let's talk about leaks. Okay. 
Tell me, I, I understand so, you You learned a thing or two about I, leaks. I learned some things. From the cloud. Yeah. So um, leaks are a cultivar of Matthew. Would you please pronounce this? <laughs> the cultivar of Matthew? <laughs> oh, Allium. Um, uh, Ampeloprasum. Okay. Which is, according to Wikipedia, the broadleaf wild leak. And I thought, oh, I know about wild leaks. Ramps, right? Well, no, they're different. Yeah. I mean, ramps are called wild leaks, but yeah. I think someone just thought that was fun to say. The, 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 uh, the the scientific name the the what's what's the name what do you call yeah the scientific name the scientific Latin name. name for ramps is allium trichocum <laughs> or trichocum 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 you like them <laughs> okay anyway. I mean not everybody so leeks are a cultivar of allium ampeloprasm ampeloprasm <laughs> oh, I like that. That sounds good. Ampeloprasm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, whatever. They're related, as as we all know, they're related to onions, scallions, garlic, all these. They are, these are all alliums. Yeah, but I think of them as a bit of an outlier. I mean, maybe not as much of an outlier as garlic, but like they, they look so much like a scallion or a Welsh onion or something. But what the heck's a Welsh onion? Oh, it's a, it's a neggy. Oh, we on the a, Japanese, a Japanese, a Japanese leak. Yes. Wow. So hold on. A Welsh onion. Yes, which is not is negi is Japanese leak. Leak. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is very confusing. So wait, why do you think of leeks as being? Are leeks more of an outlier in the allium family to you than uh, scallions? Um. Yeah. Because like. Scallions and and negi and ramps are, I think, of all being all pretty similar in the sense that they're like like long and greenish and relatively tender. Okay. But leeks, like they've got so much body to them, so much fiber, so much so much guts. Which onions do too, though. That's true. But onions become melting. I guess leeks do leeks too. Do I don't too. know. I don't you, know you've what caught you're talking me in about. a logical bind. Here. Yes. Yes. Okay. So hold on. Let's talk about this because. This is interesting. Leeks are the broadsword of the allium family. I'm sticking with that. Instead of forming a bulb, like an onion, so leeks produce this long cylinder of bundled leaf sheaths. It's, yes. it's not a stalk. It's not a stem. It, it's a whole bunch of like leaf sheaths. Uh -huh. Which that, is true that different of from like a leaf? Leaf. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's describing a particular shape of leaf. Leaves okay. come in lots of different shapes. In, over in nature. Well, these are kind there. of like like blade leaves. Yes. Yeah. Well, and uh, uh, alliums are monocots, which mean they form like leaves with parallel veins. Oh, okay. This so, makes sense. Like grasses and stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, so the reason why, so you mentioned that you know you think of leeks as being tougher or sort of tough, gutsier. Gutsier. I think I said. Yeah. Okay. Well, in part uh, to to counter that tendency, maybe. As leeks have been cultivated, uh, people have learned to do what's called blanching them. This is not where you cook them quickly in really hot water. Good, because that's, that's what I thought what no, you meant. No, no, no. This is where you cover them up with soil. Oh, like, that sounds... Like, like what's done with endive, right? Don't people sort of mound oh, so... soil around... 
Is this and why? Dive? Yes. And, and is it, this why both of those things are pretty expensive? Both leeks and endive are pretty expensive as oh, far I, as produce I no goes. Idea. I have no I, idea. I, that sounds labor intensive. Well, yeah. I mean, it does because you would have to go around to each stalk and basically cover little... cover it with soil. You which which um, is called blanching them because. When you protect them from getting sunlight, you prevent photosynthesis and it keeps them white and it keeps them more tender. But it also fills them with dirt. Yes. We're going to get to that, Matthew. You know how maybe you could economize on the farm? Uh, You know who loves building like little hills of dirt? Children. Children. I was thinking of ants. Ants Mm, make ant hills. Yes. Maybe. Speaking of ants. Yes. Okay, sorry. Got to go on a tangent again. You mentioned on a recent episode, possibly. Oh, seeing a giant writhing ant hill. Well, and then you talked about how how June was scared of soldier ants. Yes. um, Because of a story or something. Yeah, that that was read to her in the aftercare program at school. Can you look into this further, please? Because. Because one of our listeners had the same thought that I did, which was, was this story Line Engine versus the Ants? I don't know. Which is a a famous classic short adventure story, but it is so radically inappropriate for a preschool audience that if that's what it was, I'm going to be so entertained. Okay, I it is I, a I don't know terrifying how can... story in which like a guy gets bitten all over his body by ants and ants eat a deer down to its bones mm, and I, I don't know <laughs> that that's what this okay. was. I don't think that's what it I was. I doubt that's what this but... was. Okay, but that, I'm kind of wondering if it's more like they were reading some sort of a book that had like, like pictures of different insects yeah, or something. Okay, probably that's probably yeah. it. But mm-hmm. God, I want it to be that terrifying story about ants. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace has made it easier than ever before to launch the perfect website. Wow, the perfect website! It's like the the. The perfect size typeface, the perfect... Uh, no, that's all you need is the perfect size typeface. <laughs> okay. And whatever typeface you choose, and believe me, they have many to choose it's gonna from. It's going to feel perfect. And, uh, and, I mean, do people say typeface? They just say font, right? They just say font. Um, yeah. I mean, like... Fancy people like us say typeface. Yeah, but the, you know the photos—they're gonna—they're gonna look perfect. They're gonna they're, pop. They're gonna pop. They're gonna load quickly. It's gonna be optimized for mobile right out of the box. There's gonna be nuch, n- nutching. <laughs> There's gonna be nothing to patch or upgrade ever because this website is gonna be perfect. Yes, it's going to be literally perfect. Nutching will go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to make that perfect website uh, with a free trial by going to squarespace.com slash spilled. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code spilled to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash spilled, offer code spilled. Squarespace, nothing can stop you. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Tango Apples. And I am sitting here with friend of the show, Iris Amsterburton. <laughs> who is crunching a sweet tango apple while I'm trying to do this ad. And uh, I asked for a bite, and she looked at me like, get your own apple. It's true. So uh, sweet tango apples, every time you bite into one, it releases juice, it releases the loudest apple crunch you've ever heard, and it's really hard to stop eating one. 
You can try them sliced into salads. You can put them on sandwiches. You can uh, eat them with cheese. How do you like to eat a sweet tango apple, Iris? I love apples with peanut butter spread on them. I think that's an excellent way to eat them. I'm also eating one whole right now, and it's excellent. Yep. And uh, they are also great in apple crisp. So taste it for yourself and see why this apple has fans that literally wait for it to come back every fall. You can go to sweettango.com slash spilled milk to find a grocer near you. And this is a true story. I like these apples so much. They sent us some, but I went to the website sweettango.com slash spilled milk and uh, found that, oh, they're sold at the supermarket right near me. And I'm going to go get some more. So that's S-W-E-E-T-A-N-G-O dot com slash spilled milk. As you've probably noticed when you're cooking with leeks, yes, of course the the most tender part, and it also has like the like it has the thinnest, most tender leaves. It also has the sweetest flavor. The mildest part of the flavor is the white part of the yes. leek, right? The light green part is also edible. It's a little bit tougher, a little bit stronger in flavor, and then the dark green part is really quite tough. And people often discard it or use it in stock. Can I tell you something I do when I am like trimming up, prepping leeks? That I think I feel like I might have learned from Jerry, Chef Jerry Traunfeld of uh, of Poppy and Lionhead in Seattle, maybe at a farmers market demo years ago, is like I will cut the leaves off, the dark green leaves off, like a little higher than you would think. Mm-hmm. So there's some green at the top, mm-hmm. and then kind of uh, roll the knife around like an inch or so oh. down from there and take off just that outer green, like thick green leaf. Okay, um, and expose more of like the white tender stuff inside and you get a little more usage. What do you call it? A little more... You get bang for your buck. You get a little more bang for your buck. You know, as you're talking, it it occurs to me, I wonder (laughs) if, if somehow, like, I, I, we should, uh... Yeah. So... I'm realizing that there are probably a lot of listeners of the show who actually grow leeks. And I'm kind of... A lot is a strong word. (laughs) But anyway, I'm wondering if you really do have to go around and mound up the dirt around the leaf. I think there's enough. Or if they grow that way, like partially underground. I mean, certainly they're not like a carrot that grows with the the edible part fully underground. Um, No. So, I mean, they got like, like, you know, a little bundle of leaves sticking up, right? Right, right, right. But did, but like once they start to germinate, do people go around and pile more dirt on top of it? Or does it just naturally like, do, do you plant the seed like, eight inches under the ground so that that part will stay under there. Maybe there's a YouTube video we could watch where this is shown in real time. The video is like six weeks long. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> no, serious. No, that, that's a good question. Like, uh, listeners, if you grow leeks, facebook.com slash podcast. Do you have to go around mounting dirt on them if you want them to come out right? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you would think that if if you really had to pay that much attention to them, that we would see a lot of leaks in like farmer's markets or something that were just all green. Yeah. Like, like just people use them differently or something. Speaking of listener feedback, uh, just before uh, we sat down to record this, I got an email from listener Chris, who we were talking on a recent episode about how uh, we think pipe organs are really awesome and we want to get an invitation to play a pipe organ. Listener Chris did not offer us an invitation to play a pipe organ. But I don't know why we're even talking about this. His job is building pipe organs. Where does he building live? Building and maintaining. I think like Virginia or something. So, but but he probably so has like a network on. of pipe organ hold people. Hold on. Do you remember in the ice cream cone episode we talked? Talked about is it Dumars or something? Um, 
with where where uh, people say like the ice cream cone was invented or Abe Dumar. Yes, I remember you. Right? Talking Isn't about this. that in in Virginia? I couldn't I could we be go misremembering. there. Oh, to the uh, to the to the, the drive the birthplace or whatever, of the ice cream cone. I go to Dumars, I think that's what it's called, and yeah, then also right. go play a pipe organ at Chris's place. Yeah, I mean, think you know, if like if someone makes guitars, they've got tons of guitars around their house. Yeah, How this many guy pipe for sure organs? has a lot of pipe yeah, organs. Yeah, he's probably got around. like fifteen pipe organs hanging around in his garage. This is exciting. Um, okay, so uh, we will link to listener Chris's pipe organ building business. So like. I, I'm going to just put it out there. If you need a pipe organ constructed or maintained, hire listener Chris. Yeah. Okay. Great. Full I'm gonna, endorsement. I'm going to keep talking about leaks now. So anyway, okay. Leaks have been around for a long time. I think I would have guessed that. They first made an appearance in the Hebrew Bible and dried leaks, as well as like wall carvings and drawings of leaks, have been found in archaeological sites from ancient Egypt. When you say dried... What does a dried leak look like after like 4,000 years? Oh God, how can you distinguish it from like dust? Yeah, just... that's, that's a thing I always wonder. Like any, like when you hear about like archaeological finds, like I just know, I mean, I guess that's why they're archaeologists and we're not, but I just know if we went in there, like into, like if we, if we raided a tomb, yep. like Lara Croft, we would get in there and it would be just like, you know, well, this looks like it could be like a cup and the rest of this all looks like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, and, and then like, or like, what's, what are these like small animal fossils in the sarcophagus with the mummy? It must have been like a roasted chicken that was buried with this person oh, as like an offering. I need to go update my will right now. <laughs> anyway, a all right. chicken in every casket. <laughs> Sarcophagus. <laughs> <laughs> Correction noted. <laughs> All right. These were grown in Mesopotamia from the beginning of the second millennium BCE. Nice. Yeah. And here's my favorite part. Okay. This was the favorite vegetable of the Emperor Nero, who ate it in soup or in oil, believing it beneficial to the quality of his voice. <gasps> what a monster he was. Wait, what? No, I mean, he was a monster, but well, not I know. for that reason, I know. right? I, I, I know. What, should we be doing that? Like, if I was eating leeks in oil before every taping, would I not sound like this? Think of how mellifluous you could be. Yes. You know, before we karaoke the next time, I'm yeah. going to eat some some leeks. Yeah, let's in take soup the leek cure. Or oil. Or both. Yeah. Or like an oily soup. <laughs> Yum. All right. So, leeks are also one of the national emblems of Wales. Okay. I'm so excited to talk about this. Great. Here we go. I get to pronounce some things poorly. According to legend, King Cadwallader of Gwynedd. Oh, okay. So, right. So, I think, I think. Are you going to try to pronounce that better? I was going to try, but see, so I think most of these letters are silent. That's based on what I know about Welsh. Oh. It's spelled C-A-D-W-A-L-A-D-R. All oh. I can say confidently is that it is not pronounced Cadwallader. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, he was of Gw Gwynedd. And he ordered his soldiers to identify themselves by wearing the vegetable on their helmets in an ancient battle against the Saxons that took place in a leek field. What does that look like? <laughs> right? A whole bunch of soldiers in a field running around with leeks. Uh, how did he? How did they attach them to their helmets? Well, you know those like Prussian helmets with the spike on top? Yes. I assume something like that. Okay. Okay. All right. So in contrast to this... 
Here's another sort of origin story. The Elizabethan poet Michael Drayton stated that the tradition was a tribute to St. David, who only ate leeks when he was fasting. That is not fasting, first of all. Yeah, that is. <laughs> well, do you think it was like a precursor to juice fasting, leek fasting? Yes, I think so. I went past a juice place that had like a big ad out front for like their juice fast pack. I guess that's every juice place. It is. Whatever the case, uh, Shakespeare refers to the custom of wearing a leek as an ancient tradition in Henry V. In this play, Henry tells the Welsh officer Fluellen that he too is wearing a leek Quote, for I am Welsh, you know, good countrymen. This absolutely sounds like a pickup line, right? For I am Welsh, you know. uh, I am Welsh, you know. I'm wearing the leak. Good countrymen. I'm Welsh. Good, real good countrymen. You know what I'm saying? The 1985 and 1990 British one-pound coins bear the design of a leak in a coronet representing Wales. Oh, that sounds great. Right? And we, we learned recently that a coronet is an ice cream cone, yeah. right? Yeah, so there's a leak in an ice cream cone. Oh, wow. Yep. That, is, that is what I want on my coat of arms. Listeners, please, if you can find a 1985 or 1990 one-pound British coin with a leak in an ice cream cone... Contact at com. Uh, Matthew, what would be on your national emblem if you were a nation? I mean, I kind of just want that now that I know that you can have a leak and an ice cream cone. So I think like some kind of noodle for sure. Would it be in a bowl or just a pile? Hmm. I mean, lately, like I have a I have a sticker that's a bowl of ramen on my computer. And also my family gave me like a, a, a painting of a bowl of ramen yeah. So I think I think maybe like a bowl of ramen. Okay. And well, I do like ice cream a lot. Yeah. So, I do so too. maybe maybe like a sort of a generic pint container that just says like like super duper chocolate, like too much chocolate. <laughs> um uh-huh. death death by chocolate is is the fate that you face if you go up against my family. Okay. <laughs> okay. Huh. Um okay. You? I'm thinking this over. Um I feel like a milkshake would not be out of place. Yeah, I think the trick there is. Oh, how okay. do you de- how do you designate milkshake though? I, I've it's got just it. like so, a cup. So first of all, it's like a cup with a little metal cup next to it. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, from like the old fish- fashion blender. Yes, and it could also it could alternatively or in addition have like the little milkshake blender with the whizzy oh, attachment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great idea. Um, okay, so I think probably a milkshake and. Um, I don't know how many elements you're supposed to have on your on your seal crest. I don't know. Either. I think seal crest is a brand of <laughs> linens or something, right? Um, yeah, I think it's like a brand of towels. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave it there. I'm not sure what else to do. I'm not sure what else you need in life know. other than a milkshake. That's true. I feel like I want something with meat. Um, mm-hmm. It's just hard to say what. Like a burger. Maybe a burger. Yeah. yeah, maybe a burger. That would be, it would sh- like show, it would read really well, like at a distance as your army <laughs> yeah. is encroaching. Like, we'll see, like, okay, it's the burger. <laughs> They've got a burger well, and like some sort of cup. It's probably the Weisenberg clan. Yeah. And I feel like it would be fitting to, like, you know, if people couldn't really remember what my last name was, but they knew the word burger. It's like it, it kind of, good. you know, it's like an echo to my last name, Weisenberg Burger. Yeah. Yes. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about what we actually do with leaks. Matthew, okay. so we, we now know why they're so dirty. 
because people keep putting dirt on them. Yeah. So how <laughs> Vandals. do you, how do you wash yours? Okay, I don't know where I where I was taught this, but what I do is um, so I'll, I trim the top uh, as I mentioned earlier. And then I will slice it, uh, have it lengthwise. Yes. And then run it under cold water while sort of peeling the layers apart and letting water run through them. Yeah. I think that is the best, the best policy. Sometimes, sometimes if I'm like, um, if I'm cutting leek into small pieces, like small rounds for soup or for leek confit, which we'll talk about here in a second. I will take all of my chopped up leek and put it in the basket of a salad spinner oh, yeah. and just soak it in cold water, a couple changes of water. But I find that even then, like if you're not allowing the water to sort of run directly onto the dirty part, sometimes it just sticks. Yeah. And you don't want that like yeah. bit of grit. So I, I don't c- own a salad spinner and, but they're so cool. I, I love used salad to, spinners. and I think I got rid of it cause it took up a lot of space and I didn't use it enough. And now I want it again. I've had one my whole life. Like ever since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. You had a little salad spinner and a little teeny tiny like baby food jar of vinaigrette. (laughs) It was so cute. (laughs) And and with your little coat of arms. (laughs) Too bad. That's what would be on your coat of arms is a jar of vinaigrette. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Uh, So, Matthew, um, uh, what's this Bon Appetit thing you found? um, So I, I went on trying to sort of jog my memory of like what leak things I like and or make and uh, the first thing I found when I probably just googled leak recipes was a uh, recent Bon Appetit roundup uh, that we will link to that has the headline 27 leak recipes that are like onions who? Ugh. And then the the subhead began. Leeks are cooler than onions. This made me so angry, die. but there were so many good recipes. Uh, I, I feel like um, leeks. I don't know. I I I I feel like I didn't see much leeks in America, like in recipes published in the United States until like twenty years ago. Yeah, I feel like I thought of it as a French thing. I know that it also shows up all over the Middle East. Yeah. I know, but like, like that's... I know it's big in Turkish cooking, but I feel like, like you know, potato leek soup vichyssoise, like it was a French thing. Is I that like a cold? I don't think of like your like m- like mainstream like old American grandma like out on the plains back in the day like using leeks. I don't think so, but you might have gathered ramps. Oh, maybe that's true. Isn't there isn't there some like folksy term for ramps also like hillbilly truffles or something? Something, something, okay. <laughs> something like that. Uh, anyway, okay, go on. Um, I forgot what the question was. Oh, like I, I think. Oh, like of, like did did leaks suddenly like like appear, did they get big? Um, in in like uh, mainstream widespread American cuisine in the nineties. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, late eighties. Great. Maybe. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. But that's when Ooh. like that's that's like when sort of when food good food entered the uh, the uh, like. I mean, how how to describe this in a way that uh, that doesn't erase the fact that uh, good food has always existed in this country in different populations. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that uh, you know that that you would start seeing things like leaks, like in a in a like new newspaper food section. Yes. I guess. Yes. I feel like it was it was the the dawn of a a uh, era of um, like farmers markets and, and yeah. uh, sort of. Food as a as a trend. Yeah, food as entertainment. Yes. Okay. Leaks are entertaining. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. I mean, that's uh, hence this episode thus far. I'm going to go out there and say I think leeks are the most delicious allium. 
Oh, this is a good question. I didn't I, know I, I was... I think scallions are your favorite, according to the scallion probably episode. scallions are my favorite. Is that what I said on the scallion episode? Yes, so. that is my foot. I think so. Oh, for so, sure. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think scallions are my favorite. I use them every day, pretty much. Uh, leeks, leeks uh, I do love a leek. They're, they're a little more work than scallions. and uh, They're generally not eaten raw. So maybe right. they're not quite as versatile. Maybe, but uh, but I mean, I when I when I started uh, going through Bon Appetit's twenty seven leek recipes that made me say onions who, um, <laughs> I I was surprised at how many things are like oh yeah I I like that and I've made that. Um. So Matthew, what do you do with leeks? Okay, so a couple of things that I love to do with leeks are to put them in an omelet, like uh, saute or make like melted leek confit. Mm -hmm. To use butter for that. Yes, Yes. and put it in an omelet. I feel like leeks want butter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, olive oil is fine, but that there's something about the sweet oniony flavor that is so it it wants butter. Yep. And here's my other favorite thing. So. at starting like maybe three or four years ago, maybe longer, who knows? Um, as I've mentioned, I'm at the age where whenever I say like, oh, yeah, that was three years ago, it turns out it was 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Pagliacci, local uh, Seattle pizza chain, um, started doing a bacon leek primo, b- bacon leek slice at you know, as a seasonal uh, special mm-hmm. and with like chunks of leek and uh, and like thick uh, chunks of bacon mm-hmm. and uh, a not like a like an olive oil base. Oh, um, and it uh, it's a real family favorite. And of course, naturally, like I immediately started making it at home. I'm starving right now. Oh, I already had lunch. I did, too. But I I'm I, it's time for my afternoon leak snack. OK, yeah. Too bad we don't have anything. <laughs> nope. OK, well, anyway, um, so, Matthew, I know that uh, you and I have both made rigatoni with five lilies. Yes. Right. And linked to it. Uh, we've mentioned it in probably more episodes than any other single recipe. Yeah, so uh, it's a rigatoni recipe with five different members of the Allium family, mm-hmm. one of them being leeks. Yeah, so it's that's... a recipe from a guy we won't name. Yeah, uh, although maybe we could find a way to link to it somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Um, also, I feel like, uh, you know, leeks are, again, because leeks are so great with butter, leeks show up in a lot of, um, a lot of like galettes and tarts and pastries. Yeah. Yeah. like so good with that like buttery tart crust. And I feel like that was a thing that I used to make Me fairly often Me before too. I had a kid. Yeah, I I was into like savory tarts yeah me too like there was this like tomato tart that i used to make me too um yeah why was i do i mean they were good but i feel like this was for me it makes sense because i do think that was an era when i was particularly into like like being inspired by france and like Mm -hmm. like French home cooking. Yeah, I, like I don't. Like a, un, I don't understand why you are making these things. Well, I mean, uh, I'm known for my domestic rusticity, and I was making like <laughs> you know rustic crostatas with like uh, you know an irregular shape. Um, oh my god, this sounds so good right now. I'm, uh-huh. I, I'm, yeah, uh, I know. I had like a, a big, large burger for lunch, and I'm getting hungry also. I had some pasta with uh, like ricotta and pesto stirred into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. So, um, potato leek soup, I, I've never made it. Uh, Vichyssoise, that's cold potato leek soup. Yes, which right? sounds, I, I know I've had it, like, probably had it um, 
I seem to remember having like a like a little tiny cup of it as an amuse bouche yes. at a French restaurant. This is something that my dad was into. Like if he saw it on the menu, he would order it. Yeah, it's one of those things that like sounds so dire that it has to be good or no one would actually make it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like snails, for like example. Like snails, yes. Um, okay, wait, hold on. What's cockaliki soup? You wrote that So cockaliki soup is a, I want to say British, but it could, that, uh, could mean Scottish. I'm not sure. Uh, like a chicken and leek soup. Well, that makes sense. Um, but it's, uh, I only put it down because it's so fun to say. Yeah. Cockaliki soup. I think the, the, the way I most often use leeks, probably even still today, is for leeks vinaigrette. Uh, also though, oh my gosh, like just taking leeks and cooking them in butter with maybe a little splash of water to help keep the pan from getting dry, mm-hmm. just cooking it for a long time, not until they caramelize, like it's, they're not going to turn brown, like caramelized onions. Right. You're waiting for them to just get so soft that they start losing their, their structural their integrity. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is so good piled onto like a piece of toast with goat cheese oh, or yeah. piled ricotta onto anything, or I piled think. onto anything. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, you could put it in any kind of sandwich. You could put yes. it uh, kind of blobs of it on a pizza. Yeah. Just put, go around just putting blobs of it on things. I think I, I think I wrote about leek confit uh, in Bon Appetit years ago. Yes. Oh, you, did you write this article, uh, 27 leek recipes that are like <laughs> onions who? Nope. Um, all right. Uh, also, oh my God. You gosh. don't have to be modest. Okay. Sort of. So in, in, uh, there, have been a lot of leek recipes I've loved in recent cookbooks, like cookbooks that have come out in the past couple of years. Uh, Tell me about this. Melissa Clark's Dinner has a fantastic cookbook. I think it might be the cover photograph. It is harissa chicken. It's all cooked on a sheet pan with um, cubed potatoes and leeks. Yes, And then you drizzle great. it with like a garlicky yogurt and all kinds of fresh herbs. It's so delicious. Is it made with like bone-in chicken parts? Yes, okay. exactly. Yes. Okay, I'm um, in. And then uh, Julia Tertian in her first book, uh, Small Victories, her second book just came out last month. Yes, Now and Again. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yep. And she's actually going to be on the show. Yes. Are we, should we tease that yet? Yeah, let's tease it. Okay. We haven't taped it yet, so you, you never know what might happen, but okay. uh, we we expect uh, a little. We expect bit. the best. Exactly. Anyway, Julia Tertian in her first book, Small Victories, has a recipe called Dad's Chicken and Leeks, which is basically just uh, braised chicken parts with a lot of leeks. That sounds Delicious. great. Delicious. Yeah, I make braised chicken a lot. I don't. It's the easiest thing, and it's always good. Oh, and you, you should can give me some it. of your. Bra- Will you link to? Do you have any braised chicken recipes with leeks? Uh, not that I know of, but I bet I bet we could link to a braised chicken recipe. With, well, wait, how about we- this one? Well, no, but this is in this is in Julia Julia Tertian's book. I think we can we can find some of these recipes online. Okay. Um, and we'll find them. But in the meantime, Matthew, off, yes. off the air, will you tell me about your braised chicken? Oh, it's a secret? Yeah, don't tell the listeners because it doesn't have leeks in it. Um, well, I mean, generally I will take bone-in chicken thighs and uh, brown, them. brown them and then braise them in some kind of flavorful liquid with some kind of uh, tasty vegetables. And that's basically all there is to it. It can Like be- what kind of tasty liquid? Um, so like you can do like red cooked, like, um, soy sauce and rock sugar and, uh, rice wine. Mm-hmm. You can do like, uh, in, uh, like chicken broth and white wine, 
with with uh, herbs and potatoes and stuff. I need a you formula could, for this. Okay, well, I mean, that's but that's basically it. Like, but you, what's the mixture of like red cooked ingredients? Oh, I can I can give you that. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes. Great. Okay. It sounds, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like, so So just before we, we started taping, <laughs> I gave Molly her birthday present, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, the thing that she's been asking me for uh, probably uh, pretty much since the first time we met. I asked you for <laughs> like this. 18 years ago. Seriously, though, I asked you for this on a show sometime this spring. Yes. I told you that I wanted for my birthday from you a collection of, of recipes from you. Yeah, but listeners. Of, of like, like your greatest hits. Uh I think you can confirm that Molly has asked me for this more than once Probably. on the show. Yeah, and so I I did this and I gave it to to you like not twenty five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and I'm it already sounds wanting like to you're add asking to it for volume two. <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. Okay, okay. that's fair. Okay, uh, well, um, if you hey, if you grow leeks, if you know about blanching, if you this, if you like pina coladas. <laughs> You should leave us a message on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Spilled Milk Podcast. Yeah, or you can also leave a comment at uh, SpilledMilkPodcast.com. Yep. If you listen if, to... If you want it to be like a little more private, uh, you can email us at contact at SpilledMilkPodcast.com. Yeah, that sounds so personal. Yeah, um, just getting your hands in the dirt like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can also find us on a number of podcasting services, uh, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. Mm-hmm. And is that it? Is there anything else we it. tell people? Okay, cool. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, uh, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Matthew, stop rustling your papers. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've got I've got an important message just in. Uh, the coat of arms of this show is just like two dumbbells. I'm Molly Weisberg. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And so sort of without without making the connection, I asked you for like a lot of your meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I've been called a meat smith so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.